When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers. Going inside and breaking down the game and finding out what all the data means. Welcome to this week's episode of Crunching the Numbers. You have your host, Mark Sapoulos, here, and my co-host is Mr. Shane Leonage from Data Driven Sports Analytics. Shane, welcome back once again. Hi, Mark. Uh, hi, listeners. It's uh, great to be back and um, really interested on the topic today. I think uh, there's a great opportunity for us to dive into something that's really close to my heart. It is, and obviously you are the data guru, and you've obviously been digging deep into your data this week. We're going to talk a little bit about the peak ages of the WTA and ATP Tour players, but we've also been joined by a special guest this week. We've got uh, George Boyatzis from the Melbourne International Tennis School. He's the developmental coach guru and uh, working with plenty uh, young players at the moment. George, thanks for joining us. What an intro, Soph. Thanks, mate. Uh, thanks for having me on, gents. Congratulations on a, on a great podcast, by the way, guys. I've been listening and it's been uh, really, really insightful. Great stuff. It's uh, It's been fun, actually, George, and obviously it's good to have you on. We've uh, worked together for a few years now and it's actually good to have you on to this show. And uh, mm-hmm. Shane is actually the real star of this one. And we, we, love, we love talking to Shane about his data because he's the the one and only man with all the numbers and Shane I asked you to do a little bit of research for me this week based upon the average peak ages of the WTA and ATP tours because I feel like it's pushed back from where it used to be obviously growing up there was a lot of those you know teen sensations coming through and we don't generally get to see them as much anymore but What's your research shown about, you know, when players are now peaking to obviously, you know, take that next step in their careers? Yeah, yeah, Mark, it was a it was a, a really interesting sort of topic that you, you asked me to, to look at, and it's it's something I've been doing a bit of thinking about. Is going into the, the data itself, well, I looked at players born in the seventies, players born in the eighties, and players born in the nineties using ELO rating, which is uh, most of you might be familiar with something called the UTR rating. So that's based on ELOs. So using that. I uh, just had a look at when players in the 70s reached their peak and it was roughly around the age of 24 and uh, they probably had five, six years in their prime and then they started to decline. Then you look at players in the 80s, so we're talking here, you know, the Roger Federer's, the, the Nadal's, the Djokovic's, Murray's, their peak age seemed to be closer at the age of 27 and they're still going, some of them, but uh, the decline sort of started happening at 33, 34 for that bracket. And then you've got players in the 90s and obviously being 2020, we've only really got data for them until they're about 29, 30 years of age, but their peak seems to be closer to 29. So it's hard to know, I suppose, how, how long that they sort of sustained that peak period. And the other interesting fact, I started looking at the players that were born um, in the 2000s and, and, and noticeably their, their rating is tracking below all of the other age brackets. Um, so I might start there. Really interesting data. And I guess like from, and we probably, George and I are probably going to look at this from a real coaching perspective. It's interesting because we've all got, we've both got young players coming through and 
And we have to do a lot of planning, a lot of periodized planning for these players and then trajectories about where they're going to be. But I'll probably start with George. George, what do you think about like that, that sort of data when you hear that from a coaching perspective? And how does it relate to probably us more, uh, more often than not when we've got these young kids coming through? That's a great question. I think, the, I think it sets a, an expectation of we have time in the younger years to develop all the skills that we need for a long-term career. It's not about making it by the time we're 15. And Mark, we've both come across uh, situations where the pressure is on around that 15 or 16 age with a lot of uh, a lot of younger players so the first thing that I think from a coaching perspective is take the time to develop the right things plan out your pathway and and track along the data that's out there and the data that Shane's just mentioned and, and put together which is which is awesome you know it's not about being the team wonder of course there there are outliers you know you look at players like Coco at the moment 14 years old and she's killing it on tour you know, you don't often see that. So they're the ones that are often looked at, oh, we need to be like that. No, no, you don't, because the majority of players are not actually tracking in that manner. And I like the way you've used that terminology too, George. You've talked about the majority and probably the minority. So the majority of players track, obviously, from a later perspective, Shane, and you can correct us if we're wrong here. And there's a minority that would probably come through at a little bit of an earlier stage and probably peak in earlier times. And you look at going back in the day, and I'm probably showing my age here, but players like Martina Hingis and, you know, even Serena Williams, Williams, you know, at a younger age, they were performing at a higher level, but we're not seeing that happen as much or uh, anymore, I guess. And it's probably a little bit more rare. So we're looking at the majority of players now, Shane, are probably peaking a little bit later than what they were earlier on. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, and in a role that I do outside of tennis, um, I work in cricket. And it, it's interesting to see that, particularly on the men's side, it feels like the age where players hit their prime or their peak seems to be getting closer to um, cricket players where the prime is probably late 20s, early 30s, where um, particularly batsmen uh, are at their prime. They score their most runs. They're harder to get out um, in that age bracket. And it feels like just the wisdom of being, I suppose, alive for a bit longer and the experience seems to count more for an athlete than maybe the physical prowess that you have earlier. And I feel like tennis has sort of moved in that direction. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts, Mark, because I know you work with AFL players as well. Absolutely. I see the same, you know, in AFL players. They're talking about putting the draft age to a later age because the players that are coming through at 17, 18 are just not quite physically and mentally ready to be able to play men. And I guess that's the, the, the challenge we have as tennis coaches as well, George, is that we're often putting players into the deep end at 18, 19 to play on the tour. And they're playing against seasoned athletes, men, women, etc., and have to obviously physically and mentally compete with players that have done six, seven, eight, nine, ten pre-seasons of training. They've been able to be on tour for a long period of time. They're, they're mentally in tune. They've got the experience. So, you know, I think that changes for us in terms of our, our planning, George, in that we have to think about that now as a, as a, a really important factor that sort of 18 to 21, 22 is a big phase for us to think about now, not just the juniors. Yeah, 100% agree. Look, um, another thing that I think we have to take into consideration is now there's probably uh, pathways like college that come into play. It makes more financial sense to go off and become a seasoned athlete, like you said, become match hard in the tennis world and then take your chances on tour. Obviously, like I said before, there's outliers, there's people that are extremely talented and are matching, like you said, but it's definitely about just, just, I think now we also know more about sports science as well, which has played a massive factor in this, right? We know how uh, the physical peaks occur. We know how to train mindset and mentality a lot better. And we know that one of those factors is maturity. So those things are also things that have come into play. And now we're able to track 
where we want athletes to go and peak at certain times better than what we did back then. Whereas back then I feel like it was like the hard training, like you've got to slog it every single day and it was like make or break. It's just, we've got more options now. We've got more flexibility in the way in which we train athletes. I think you're spot on. I think he's hundred percent correct, Shane, and you can probably correct me if I'm wrong here, but the knowledge we have these days, even the data that we have these days plays a big role in us being able to shape young kids' careers um, and be able to, like George said, make them peak for certain periods of, the, of time. George, I wanted to bring up, and we've got you on the show um, to talk a little bit about how you would plan for a young kid coming through. And you've got a, a really talented young player um, down at MIT, um, Novak Palumbo, seven yeah. years of age. You've had him since he was three. And it's, people are going to listen to this and go, three? What the hell are you doing at three? But, you know, the kid was a, a star, yeah. a real talented kid. What have you thought about in terms of your planning for someone like that, knowing where the game is and where it's going in terms of Shane's stats? How have you been able to plan and what have you been able to plan for Novak? Well, this is a very tricky question. He's very talented, obviously. Like you said, there was a lot of good signs in his athleticism. He demonstrated a lot of great game sense. He was very natural ball striker. And since then, it's been about, obviously, like you said, planning and building him up towards a certain trajectory. With him, I think the main thing is it's very easy when you see a talented player like that to just go tennis, 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 tennis. Let's just smash it. Let's be on the court every day. And I think one thing that we've done really well is that his week's program includes a lot of variety so he's uh seeing he's been he's in the gym with conditioning coaches where he's working on fundamentals he's not lifting weights and <laughs> smashing his body he's just uh experimenting with things like balance and stability and movement um he plays other sports like you know he's playing soccer at the moment now that the season's in um he's a very good footballer apparently so he spends a lot of time at school so we're just trying to keep it we're developing a, a, an athlete rather than just a tennis player within that obviously we're really focused on developing his tennis skills as early as possible and just being effective in that sense but you know with a player like that it's it's yeah it's been very interesting i, I we, we kind of let him explore the game a lot which has been really beneficial you mentioned the game in the future I think the game in the future is going to be a lot more an all-rounder style game coming to the net, but, you know, taking advantage of the points extremely early, which is already uh, obviously something we're seeing at the moment. Um, and he's already playing in a similar style. He's comfortable coming forward. He loves his forehand, big serve. So we're just slowly taking our time and just letting him develop at his own pace and kind of guiding him through. So it's a holistic approach, really. And I wanted to throw it to Shane now because I think, you know, with being in mind that he's sort of seven, and this is going one example of many, but he's seven. But Shane, you looked at the peak ages for men and women on the tour at the moment. What did you find in terms of, you know, the age bracket that they're really hitting their straps and, and, and performing at their best? They were quite different, actually. That thing, the, the curve is kind of similar, but it, the women are peaking a little bit earlier. So around the, the early 20s, and they have their peak sort of period from about 21 to, to 26, 27. The men, um, particularly the ones born in the 80s and 90s, they're having their peak around the 25 mark to about the 30, 31, 32 even. It was certainly something interesting. And I'm touching on a couple of points. Uh, I think George mentioned um, the, the, some of the work he's doing and, and, and he, he mentioned a really good point that um, there are outliers. So it, it's important to to look at stats like this, which are a sort of a macro view of the, the whole tour, 
but then individualize it to your, your own athletes. So with his example, you, you might see Novak sort of show certain things that make him an outlier. And then it's, it'll be, I suppose, a coach's instinct sort of to push him in, in, in the right areas with that. One other thing I wanted to mention just about maybe one of the reasons why players are sort of prolonging that peak or having it a bit later is the equipment's changed. Something we'll touch on in a later podcast, but I think that has certainly helped players play longer and at a higher level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that the knowledge of the game, as George mentioned before, and the knowledge of all the different sports sciences now has, has created a, a pathway for us to sustain things for longer periods of time on the court. And, and you just touched on briefly there, Shane, but obviously we look a little bit at the developmental age versus a chronological age. And I think it's important to take the developmental age into consideration when you're planning for your player's future because, you know, there's so many 12-year-olds that are all different. You know, you've got one that have got Gone through puberty and ones that haven't and you know the size difference and then they're you know going through growth phases and growth spurts etc so you've got to take a lot of this into account when obviously you're looking at a player's career and we go through it a lot day in day out George and obviously it's something that we have to take in it into account a lot and and Shane's data is really important for us because you've only got 18 years left with uh, Novak before he starts peaking so we've got <laughs> George is going to have some nice gray hairs in that beard by the time that comes oh yeah <laughs> uh, I know how that feels. I've got no hair plus gray hairs in the beard. So I, I guess it's a real challenge um, for us as coaches to be able to grab that information and obviously work on the majority because if we're working on minorities all the time, it's a very low percentage of what we're dealing with. So it's about being smart with our development plan. And from your perspective, George, now, obviously at, at seven years of age, the next three or four years, obviously pre-teenage years and pre-puberty is really important. So is there anything different that you'd be looking at over the next few years you know, moving into no, like someone like Novak's career? Great question. I suppose even though he's very talented, the, the main focus has always been fundamentals and getting making sure that they're really solid. Without those foundations, it's, it'll just break down down the track. He's turning eight this year. I'm looking into, as he's maturing, obviously, he's going to start focusing more on training habits in terms of you know his warm-ups and really being professional on and off the court and making it part of his lifestyle which has already done quite a good job and I think it's just taking our time like you said and just every player's individual let's see how he's tracking and just constantly you know we, we stick to periodized plans of about three months we look at what we're going to work on the next phase we use competition as a way to pressure his game and see where it breaks down rather than we're not looking for results at that age correct me if I'm wrong Shano but um, there's not a lot of correlation between under 14 success and elite success you know the main thing is yes let's put them put him in these tough environments and these tough situations let's see how he handles it and then back to the drawing board each and every day and that, and that is it's, it's the journey that we go along with these players which is really important and obviously pre pre-puberty is important to set those foundations really well um, if you set the foundations of holistic uh, athletes and, and ensure that they have the right fundamentals, as you said, George. I think it's important for their sustainability of playing in this sport because it is a brutal sport. It's week in, week out. It's 52 weeks a year, and we want to be able to keep athletes in the game, as Shane's talking about, uh, for long periods of time. And if Novak's early uh, development is anything to go by, he's, he's got a long career in this sport, so we want to maintain that right across the board. But I want to leave it on that, lads, because I feel like it's been a great topic of discussion, and I think it's one that we can definitely look at down the track because I think development is a real critical component for all the coaches listening out there, for all the players and uh, any tennis lover, that it's important to, to look at the 
the development phase as a long journey. To play the long game is a lot of coaches are now, are now talking about. Uh, we're looking at peaking at a later stage in our, in our lives and not as teenagers. And I think if we keep that long game in our mind, I think we're all better off. So firstly, George, thanks for your time on jumping on with us this week and talking a lot about you know development because obviously you're at the you're at the coalface. You're one of the coaches that is there day in, day out, slogging the hours, the 6 a.m. starts, the 9 p.m. finishes, doing the work uh, like you do. And, you know, well done on what you're doing so far. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. I love these discussions and hopefully I can be back soon. You'll be back. Don't worry. We'll have you back on. And Shane, as always, the man with the numbers, the data guru himself, Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics. Thank you so much for, you know, obviously digging up this information because I think it's really critical for for people out there to understand about you know the game of tennis and where it's where it's going. Thanks, Mark. And uh, yeah, it was an absolute pleasure having George on. I, I love hearing the coaches that are, as Mark said, at the coalface where the rubber hits the road. So it was great sort of hearing a real example of someone going through that journey. Where the rubber hits the road is what we're going to leave you with. Thank you very much, Shane, George, and uh, listeners out there. Hopefully you guys can stay with us and uh, listen to us next week. We'll have another episode of Crunching the Numbers. We'll see you next time. That was brought to you by the Tennis Menu and Data Driven Sports Analytics. You've been listening to Crunching the Numbers. Make sure you subscribe to receive all the First Serve podcast. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91